Good morning. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20 says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and by him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your own minds because of your evil behavior, but now you are reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present yourself, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, good morning. Two weeks ago, we were together in this online format, and I spoke to you about Colossians, uh, some of those verses out of Colossians chapter 1. And we talked about being anchored in Christ, and that in order to choose if we wanted to be anchored by him and in him, that we first had to know who Christ is. And when we read those passages, those verses from Colossians, we learned that Jesus is not a created being, that Jesus is part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that has always existed. We learned that Jesus is over everything. He's over life, death, and everything in between. And we also learned that all the power and authority in this world and the next rest with him. So what do we do with that? Well, today I want to study the next few verses uh, in, that, in that Colossians passage uh, as we ask the, so then what question? If we agree that Jesus is the Son of God, the God who has always existed and is all-powerful, what do we do next? The next few verses say this, that God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And it goes on, as we read, that once you've been alienated from God and your enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you've heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now, for some of us, maybe many of us, we've not really contemplated, we've not really thought about who Christ is, who God is. And maybe we've never made that conscious decision to become a believer, to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, I hope some of you, if you're in that position and you'd like to, please reach out to me if you want to talk more about it. Reach out to your resident director, your resident assistant, uh, and they'd be willing to have that conversation with you. For some of you, you've grown up in the church. Uh, you've heard the name Jesus. Uh, maybe you've agreed following him is better than not. Maybe you have mostly nodded along during church, not quite knowing who Jesus is um, and knowing that it's better to follow him than not. 
and then you're not quite sure how to follow. Well, today, um, you know, we've, we've talked about who Jesus is, and we've talked about uh, the theme for the semester being anchored, the hope we have that's anchored in him. Uh, but I really want to talk today about what does it mean then if we've decided that we want to follow Jesus, what does that mean? What does it look like to do that? Um, an earlier verse from Colossians says, we are to remain steadfast in this new reality of life and not shift from the hope that it promises, which I think is a beautiful verse to go along with um, our verse for this semester. So let's talk a little bit more about this steadfast, uh, how we remain steadfast in this new reality of life. You know, um, I think the first question we kind of have to ask is, maybe we have decided we believe in Jesus, but we have to ask ourselves, do we take Jesus seriously? Have we decided that, that, uh, that the fact that he is God it needs to change how we live our lives? Now, I'm gonna guess uh, many of you that I have in class uh, many of you that I've met around uh, this semester, you are at Central because you wanted to play a sport um, in college. You wanted to be serious about uh, a game that you uh, have dedicated a lot of time to. And it was probably a conscious decision you made about which school you would go to and how you'd spend your days, right? Because it's not just playing the games. It's you have to get up. You got to go do personal conditioning. You got to do team workouts. You have to do team practices. And then you also have games and traveling. Well, anchoring ourselves to Christ is the same daily personal choice. How are we going to condition our minds? How are we going to condition our hearts, our actions? Um, how are we going to live our lives as Christ followers in our relationship to others? You know, we use this term, we use the word discipleship to talk about the life of a follower of Jesus. We are his disciples, his followers, and we have to be trained accordingly, uh, just like his first disciples were. In the end, the life of a follower, not just a believer in Jesus, is a lot like that of an athlete. Our habits, our daily habits, what we eat, how we exercise, all of those things, how we spend our time, our habits equal ourselves right? All of those daily habits end up um, <clears throat> being a part of the life we live and how we have shaped ourselves. So are we training ourselves and our habits to be more like Christ? If I were a student athlete, if my family could watch this video, they would be laughing at that point. It's kind of a, it's kind of a silly statement. Nobody wants to see me play any games. But if I were a student athlete, I would know what was required to be disciplined in my sport, right? I would know which exercises to do for conditioning. I would know which foods to eat to give my body more strength, uh, help my muscles uh, develop. I'd know how to mentally prepare myself for the game. And in the same way, we have to be deliberate about how we spiritually condition ourselves. You know, one of the ways we prepare for following Jesus is developing our mind and our hearts to hear the Holy Spirit's promptings. When our hearts are open, we feel um, a tug on our conscience. When we, think, uh, when we think a second before we do something, should I be doing this? Is this the right thing to do in this situation? No, the Lord uses our conscience to help us follow him. 
when we continually ignore it, when we continually close off that way for him to speak to us, it's like not working a particular muscle. And when you're in competition, you'll miss a shot or a goal or a whatever if you aren't in top performance, right? None of this, of course, is, is new to either being an athlete or to being a follower of Jesus. Many, many years ago, in the 2000 years since Christ once walked this earth and then returned to heaven, there was a teenager. And he uh, ran with a group of teens known back in their day as the destructors. And they would roam town, the town late at night and get into all sorts of problems. They would destroy property. They would pull pranks. They were teens, teens 2000 years ago, not super different than teens of today. Um, and this teen, uh, many years later, wrote about one night in particular when they were up to their normal tricks. They had spotted a pear tree in a neighbor's yard and it was heavy with fruit, fruit that at this time in the world, a family would have preserved to eat in the winter. It would have supplied their kitchen for uh, a lot of their daily meals. Well, he and some of his friends, you know, they took a bite or two, but really wasn't about being hungry. It was about just taking uh, and destroying uh, property and stealing just for the sake of it. They'd gathered as many of these pears as they could. They'd taken them to the pigsty, kind of cleared off the tree, threw, threw the pears away to another, uh, to a pigsty, and just let all of that uh, be destroyed. For them, for him, it wasn't about the it wasn't about eating, you know, being hungry, the, the bite or two that he took of the pear. It was about destroying something and stealing something just for the sake of it. You see, he had been raised um, by his mother to be a follower of Jesus, but he had walked away in his teen years. And it wasn't until his 30s that he uh, returned to the faith, returned to following Jesus. And when he looked back on that experience, he wrote, he wrote a book um, that you can still read today. He wrote about this experience and he said, uh, the whole experience, it was foul and I loved it. I loved my own undoing. I loved my error, not that for which I erred. I didn't love the pears in and of itself, but I loved the error. I loved the act. He said, I was a depraved soul, falling away from security into destruction itself, seeking nothing from the shameful deed, but shame itself. He was really just talking about stealing some pears. And it seems a little silly, but what he realized was that that was one of the moments when he had felt his conscience being tugged and he just didn't care. And for many years, he just allowed his conscience to be calloused and he closed off that way of hearing from God. And it was not until uh, several really difficult situ life situations that he later turned back and began following Christ. But he talks about that, that that, that stealing of the pear in and of itself wasn't a big deal, but he knew that he was cutting himself off and, and not listening to the, what the Lord would have. You know, when we choose to follow Christ, we are to devote ourselves completely to him. We're to allow him to completely reign in our lives in good times and in bad times. 
um, salvation comes from the Lord. As we have said, you know, Christ, Christ is, uh, is to be the only one uh, who has that supreme authority in our lives. Life is hard, no doubt. And a lot of us are experiencing a lot of difficulty these days, uh, but God's grace is sufficient to meet all of our needs. Um, and in the end, uh, when, we, when we walk along with Christ, we uh, have that strength in the midst of all of these situations. Um, and if we choose to follow him, not just agree that he's God, but choose to make that um, truth in every aspect of our lives, he is uh, ready and willing to walk alongside us. You know, Psalm 46 said that God says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And Colossians it tells us to be strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, to be prepared to endure everything with patience and to joyfully give thanks to the Father. And it goes on to say, why? Why do we do this? Because he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, when we, um, when we allow our hearts to, our consciences, all of those things, when we close off that way of hearing from God, um, we are opening ourselves up to a life um, that hurts not just us, but others around us. But God sent his son to rescue us from sin. We couldn't rescue ourselves. So Jesus came and paid that price for our salvation. Um, Romans says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he takes us away from danger, um, not necessarily danger in this life, but in the eternal sense. And he will help us draw closer to him and away from uh, these temptations in our life. If we are willing to uh, open our hearts uh, and to soften our uh, consciences towards him. Uh, scripture goes on to say, he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. And letting Christ protect us, that's something that we need to practice on a daily basis. You know, Colossians says, he has now reconciled us in his fleshly body through death so as to present us holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that we continually secure, establish, and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that we have heard. There's provision in there. There is a way for us to walk with Christ and for us to live a life that is um, open to him and is open to sharing his love with those around us. So are we, are we making that choice? Have we made that choice? And are we continuing to make that choice every day? Are we truly securely established as scripture says? Have we, not, have we moved our hope uh, into that sure salvation of Christ? Do we live lives that reflect, um, reflect that commitment? Are we choosing the disciplines that we need to shape ourselves into the life of a disciple of Jesus? Um, I'd like to close in prayer uh, this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the provisions that you have made for us and we pray that those whose hearts are softened, that uh, you would help them to seek out others who could help uh, 
help them in the path of discipleship to look more and more like you. And for those of us who are, uh, who are along the path, Lord, that you would, um, you would uh, help us to continue as well, and that you would uh, give us grace in the midst of uh, the struggles of this day and the semester. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.